Welcome to the 5 o'clock show. It's time for common sense. Now, it's Cats and Cosby with John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby standing for truth, justice, and the American way. Bringing common sense to the world. Now, here's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. Well, we have a great show for you today. Rita? We have an awesome show. I tell you, I am cold. I'm glad you're up to normal. Well, I am. I'm hot on what happened to our police officers. John, I am furious. There is so much news to talk about. And we have with us in the studio, Judge Richard Weinberg. We also have Peter King, of course, King's Highway, named after him in the King no High. No toll, no toll. Oh, no toll. toll. Oh, wow, no toll. You really do oh. have juice around here. <laughs> and also, we have George Venizelos, of course, former head of the FBI in New York and a great lawman. And you guys, I'm jealous. You Thank guys, you. first of all, had a great breakfast together. Yes. Well, me and uh, uh, George went to the breakfast at the New York Police Foundation at 8 o'clock this morning. Yes. and. It was some breakfast. I mean, uh, uh, everybody spoke. Uh, George, yeah. what did you think? I, I thought it was a, a great crowd. The mayor was there, too. Great, you know? yeah. All the hierarchy of the police department was there, and they all got up and spoke their piece in some of the areas. And, you know, we want the police to do well. Yes. You know, they're, they're, all, they're really good people. And what happened l- last night is sick. It's sick, and and the video that everybody's now talking, we're talking about, about the, the, the beatdown, police officers yeah. beating, getting beaten oh, by illegal uh, by illegal migrants by illegal migrants. So, Eight of them go, and these cops are in Times Square. It's an unruly crowd. They're just trying to break up the crowd. And suddenly these migrants, illegal migrants, eight, eight of them, yeah. turn on the officers, well, a lieutenant and a cop, punch him, kick him in the head. And and they get four of them, yep. and and judge, you know what happened to them. They let them out under ridiculous bail law. Let me tell you something. What's going on in this city is we have a war against the police at City Hall, led by the city council, and in the streets. And we need to do something about this. This is totally unacceptable. And in the DA's office. And, and yeah. certain DA's. Yeah, That's shameful, right. shameful. I mean, you talked to so many of the folks uh, in rank and file. You yeah. were in the safest yeah. room, I think, in the world this yeah, morning, definitely. you and John. Yeah. Um, but but how did they feel? They feel, they must be like, when you see yeah. that, they must feel demoralized, George Venizelos. You know, but they, they put a good front on this morning. They talked about how certain areas, crime is dropping. You know, they really are, are doing their best. And these people care. And they care about this city, and and to have something like this happen, it's, it's just sick. We don't, they don't deserve that. These the, the police officers are some of the most dedicated people in, in the world, and, and to have them being treated this way. Yeah, and everybody's seeing that video, and it comes after what happened, John, with the New York City Council. Of course, they overwhelmingly right. passed the, the let's right. do extra paperwork for officers. That, you know, Judge Weinberg, you have on, of course, the great show, Let the Record Show, on Sunday mornings at 6 a.m., you and Jesse Garcia. And Jesse Garcia has said, and he's absolutely correct, we believe, and it's Jesse's thought, not mine, I have to give Jesse full credit for this, they or, the police union should file a lawsuit saying this is a violation of the collective bargain agreement because they're putting more obligations on the police to do unnecessary paperwork. paperwork. And today... We're going to have the uh, 
uh, the, the the head of the police union on. Yes, Pat Hendry, yeah. uh, the head of the PBA and is going to be what joining he us. And also yeah. Michael Goodwin, a great Pulitzer Prize winning columnist who is furious, who yes. loves New York right. as much as we do. And Anthony D'Esposito was NYPD detective. Exactly. Right. And Anthony right. D'Esposito yeah. is going to be coming up also with Homeland Security because of the big vote on the border. Yeah. And that's another issue, George, uh. because with our wide open border, we just heard from the FBI director a little bit ago saying they are so worried what's happening with all the people crossing the border yeah. and also concerned about yeah. FBI, you know, with yeah. uh, with the hacking that could happen from the Chinese. Yeah. Oh, the Chinese problem has always been a problem. The border, last night I was having dinner with some people, and somebody told me that they have relatives in Colombia, and they actually think Colombia's getting safer because they're, they're shipping all the bad people over here. Oh, my, and not just any place in yeah. Colombia. You were telling Medellin, Medellin where yeah. you see, that's like the where Scarface. Yeah. That's where Scarface, yeah. so, right? So when that stuff like that is being said, and, and after seeing what happened last night, what, what's going on here? It is. We're being invaded. We are being, being invaded. Inva- and that's the one thing, John. It's so concerning at the border with our wide open border. We don't know who's coming in. You, you know? know, there's an obligation under federal constitution to protect the states against invasion. It's Article 4 of the United States Constitution, and Governor Abbott is absolutely correct on this. There's an invasion going on right but now. But you, you know what's scary, though? The, we're getting hit everywhere, whether it's border, whether it's Chinese hacking, Russian hacking. We're getting hit in so many areas, we, you don't know where to look. I know the director came out was concerned about Chinese. That's been a concern for years, years, years. And, it, and it's scary. The yeah, Chinese, it is scary. The Chinese are good. And yeah. they're well-dressed. I mean, that's the thing that, John, we were talking about yesterday. They are well-dressed. Yep. They're coming in, you know, with these elegant suits yeah. on and suitcases, and they're saying, oh, uh, you know, we're having economic issues. I'm thinking, uh, you look pretty well-dressed. Why don't you just sell yeah. your suit? They, they, when they, they find a weakness and they attack. So they found a weakness, whether it's the border, whether it's uh, computer systems and stuff. They're, gonna, they're just going to take advantage and attack. They don't care. It is really scary. Well, John Podesta took over for John Kerry? Yes, he did. He is the new uh, climate czar. And, of course, uh, John Podesta, we certainly know uh, because he was the chief of staff for then-President Clinton, of course, also worked with Hillary Clinton. And Kerry's going to work on the campaign because he uh, Biden needs a bit of help on the campaign, guys. A lot of help. Yeah, your thoughts, Judge, on that? I think it's time to have President Biden... And for the good of the country, leave the office yep. and let a younger, smarter, tougher commander in chief. The threats we face now are enormous and we need strong leadership. We do not have it from this White House. Absolutely. And joining Absolutely. us, by the way, right now, stick with us if you could, George yeah, Venezuela. No, okay. The whole time. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. Great. Cause we have with us Congressman Anthony D. Esposito. He is on the Homeland Security Committee and, uh, Congressman, great to have you here on Cats and Cosby. Thanks so much yeah. for being here. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. You know, and, uh, it was a long night in the Homeland Security Committee. Yeah, it was what, well, like 1 a.m., right? When you finally, uh, the yeah. guys finally passed the articles of yeah. impeachment well, against Mayorkas. Yeah, closer to 2 a.m. We spent uh, from 10 a.m., you know, listening to Democrats uh, lecture us and explain to us as to why Mayorkas is doing, uh, in their words, a, a great job in securing our southern border. Uh, it was actually like we were living in a, in, an, in a fantasy world. Uh, apparently, the things that we see and the, and the Americans uh, across this country see every day, uh, the individuals that served, uh, the Democrats at least, on the Homeland Security Committee uh, just don't see it as everyone else does. 
Can you explain um, the two articles? Because they're really powerful. I was I was reading some of the background of the contentions that against Mayorkas. My question is, what took so long? Because boy, it it is so dangerous. So we've just been talking about with George Venizelos, former head of FBI New York, here with us. Your thoughts as to uh, just walk through the two counts that you think are really important to go up against the Homeland Security Secretary. Yeah, so, I, you know, as I've said before, I, I spent a career in the NYPD before coming to, to Congress, and uh, most of that time was as an investigator. And this is an investigation that uh, I am proud of. It was comprehensive. It was not rushed. It was thorough. Uh, and we went through five phases of how Mayorkas uh, failed the American people. And we came 14 months or 13 months later uh, to a conclusion that there were two articles. The first was that uh, just his willful and systemic refusal to comply with the law. Uh, he repeatedly violated laws enacted by Congress regarding uh, immigration and border security. He refused to obey the law. It's not only a, a, an offense against separation of powers in the Constitution, but it also threatens our national security and, and clearly has had a dire impact on communities across this country. I mean, a perfect example is the fact that New York City is thousands of miles away from the southern border, uh, and it's had a dramatic effect. The second, uh, Article 2, was the breach of the public trust. I mean, it is crystal clear uh, without question that Mayorkas has knowingly made false statements and knowingly obstructed lawful oversight of the Department of Homeland Security uh, to, you know, to make sure that uh, he didn't have to to comply with the law. I mean, he just refused. And I think what's most important about both of these articles and what was convincing to me as to why he should be impeached is that there was intent. He intentionally is doing these things. He's intentionally ignoring the laws set forth by Congress. He's intentionally having Customs and Border Patrol agents reassigned. He's intentionally telling Homeland Security investigators uh, that they uh, no longer have to conduct investigations that are important to our national security. And we've had some of them testify in front of the committee. And it's their words, not ours. I mean, we heard from Homeland Security investigators who said they are no longer conducting investigations. They're literally working in the kitchen making sandwiches uh, at places along the southern border. That is so unbelievable and so disconcerting. I'm glad you guys are going forward with us. We're talking to New York Congressman Anthony D'Esposito, Peter King. Hey, Anthony, how you doing, buddy? Listen, Congressman, how are you? I'm doing great. Uh, what's the uh, schedule to get this to the House floor? Uh, we are going back uh, to vote around 8 o'clock, uh, and then we're, uh, we're back on tomorrow. Uh, we are hoping that uh, the impeachment will get uh, some, some point tomorrow before we gavel out. If not, it'll be uh, right back in the beginning of the week. Okay, good luck on that. Very yeah. good. Let Thank me you. ask as a follow-up to what uh, Congressman yeah. Peter King was saying is, do you think you have the votes? Uh, because... Even the votes within the committee was party line. What's going to happen? I I think we do. I think that this has come to a situation where um, there are uh, individuals across this country um, that uh, this this is no longer a partisan issue. It's not a Democrat issue. It's not a Republican issue. This is an American issue. And when you look at polls, uh, which we do often, and, and I know Pete, uh, Congressman King will agree because we've been looking at polls recently regard to the special election in the in the third congressional district, where now uh, border security and immigration has become the number one issue in that race. And it's it's become the number one issue, not in a community uh, that's anywhere near the southern border. It's because every state, every 
each city has become a border state and a border city. And this is what is at the top of the minds of the American people. And I think that we're going to have representatives that have seen the disaster that Mayorkas and Biden have created at our southern border. And they realize that the people who sent them to Congress, uh, they're not looking for them to vote in a partisan fashion. They're looking for them to vote in the best interest of their family and the security of this nation. I mean, the fact that we've had almost nine million encounters uh, since Joe Biden has, has taken office, we have, you know, close to 1.8 million known gotaways that have come across our southern border. And that's in addition to the countless gotaways that we have no, that we know nothing about. We don't know where they are. We don't know what they're doing. We don't know who they're associating with. Congressman King and I have had these conversations recently. We've been on the campaign trail with Mozzie Pillip, who's going to win in, in the third congressional district. And you know, even in that district, which, again, uh, it's far away from the southern border. It's what people are talking about. They're concerned. They travel into New York City. They have kids that go to school in New York City. And because of the migrant disaster that's been created, they feel less safe. And they should. I mean, we have Mayor Adams has called for a 15 percent cut across all city agencies just to pay for this migrant disaster. Yeah. Real quick, if you could, Judge Weinberg. Congressman, good to talk to you again. Yeah, I agree with you that the population of the citizens of this country want border enforcement. And I agree with you as a matter of law and conduct that this secretary has failed as an obligation, has lied to Congress and has tried to obstruct. The problem is everything in Washington, as I look at it, is now a partisan vote. Are you confident you get some Democrats to side with you on this very, very important vote to protect our country? I would hope so, because I think that they represent districts who are, are waiting for them uh, to make the decision that's in the best interest of the American people. You know, uh, we, we always don't uh, votes that are cast, uh, especially someone like me who represents a district where, uh, you know, Joe Biden won my district in 2020 uh, by 16 points. And when people, especially across the aisle and, and the media has tried to say, well, this is a completely partisan hit job. Um, if it was a partisan hit job, somebody from a district that Joe Biden won by that many points probably wouldn't be in support of it. I'm in support of it because it's the right thing to do. I'm in support of it because the Homeland Security Bravo. Committee has conducted an excellent investigation. And I'm in support of it because Secretary Mayorkas doesn't deserve and doesn't have the right to, to be the Secretary of Homeland Security. Every day when he wakes up from the moment he lays his head on his pillow, he should be working nonstop to keep this great country safe. And he is not. And he deserves to go. Well, bravo for fighting the good fight for all Americans and keeping us safe. Uh, Congressman Anthony D. Esposito, great to have you here on the show. Thank you. Keep us posted, Thank please, as this goes through. Thank you. Congressman King, I'll see you on the campaign trail. I, I should be out there. If not in the third chain, I'm tired of looking at you. Everywhere we go, we're both busy with others. And by the way, a debate, too. Uh, the Mozzie Swazi debate, Pete, is when? Is uh, the 8th, right? February 8th on Channel 12. Yeah. All right. Yeah, wow. everybody's got to tune in for that one. Uh, thank you, Congressman. And now joining us as we've been talking about security and we've been talking about, sadly, the beatdown that happened to those two New York City police officers, a lieutenant and a cop, by illegal migrants in Times Square and also just how tough it is to be a cop right now. Joining us is the head of the Police Benevolent Association of the City of New York, uh, Pat Hendry. Pat, really great to have you here back on Cats and Cosby. Thank you so much for having me on. Uh, This was a, a vicious attack against two New York City police officers and every single individual who participated in attacking and assaulting, viciously assaulting our New York City police officers need to be held accountable to the fullest extent of the law. 
attacks on police officers across this city has become an epidemic. We had over 5,000 police officers assaulted last year, and only half of those cases were prosecuted, and less than that saw any consequences. Our criminal justice system is breaking down at every single step. The system uh, needs to change. It's designed to fail, and everyone in the system is passing the buck. They're pointing the fingers at others. Everyone needs to be held accountable, and they need to do their job. And um, we are talking to the head of the Police Benevolent Association. I 1,000% agree. Uh, we have with us in here uh, the great lawman for many, many decades, of course, George Venizelos, the former head of FBI in New York. George, you have a question. Yeah, Pat, Pat, I, I can't agree with you more. You know, it's it's sickening. What makes me even more sick, you know, having grown up in this area my whole life, maybe I'm, I'm too old school saying this, where was the people to help? I mean, if I was there, I would have jumped in to help these cops. Where were, why are people watching this stuff happen? People, New York is going to stand up. You know, we got to fight for the safety too. And we got to help these police officers. We got to help them. New Yorkers need to stand with police officers more than ever. We need their help. We need them to send a message to everyone involved in the criminal justice system that we're not going to watch this. We're not going to watch our police officers be attacked and assaulted on a daily basis. Because if police officers are being attacked and assaulted, they're going to uh, attack anyone on the streets for anything that happens. So if police officers aren't safe, how are we going to protect the people in the communities? You're 100% right. And and we we, we got to get our city back. Right now, these these people coming over and they're taking over our city. We got to help our police officers. They put their lives on the line every day to keep us safe. It's you know we got to help too. So people who were there who watched it, shame on you for not helping. Bravo for you for saying that because you're right. Where were the good people? Yeah. How could you? I, I'm telling you as as a citizen, George and, yeah. and Pat and everybody <laughs> listening, watching that video, I wept. I mean, it it is heartbreaking to see these cops are getting kicked in the head and they're getting punched. And you're right. Where was there's nobody around trying to break it up. And these poor cops are ganged up on Pat. I I mean, how do they keep the morale up? Uh, You know, police officers are at their breaking point, Uh, you know, from every every step. uh, You know, we're getting beaten up by the environment right now. Uh, Morale is at an all time low. It's at it's at in the toilet. And we need the support of all New Yorkers. They need to. We need New Yorkers to step up and say, "We, we we're with you. We got mm-hmm. your back." Mm-hmm. And you know, once and for all, make those phone calls to the DA's office. Make those phone calls to everyone across the city to say, "Enough's enough. We're going to support our police officers, and we want these individuals in jail where they belong." Yeah, the fact that they're out, and that's one thing we've been talking about too, Pat, um, and Judge Richard Weinberg's here with us in the studio too. They got, there were eight of them that were kicking these two cops mercilessly, and mm-hmm. then they were able to capture, they got four of them, and they're out. And, and one of them already has their open priors for assault. I, I mean, you can't make it up. Judge Weinberg, what is happening with our judicial system? It's not the judicial system, it's the state legislature to pass this ridiculous so-called bail reform law, which limits the powers of the judges to hold them in. And I will tell you, if I was still sitting in Supreme Court, and if this had happened... And, and I wish you me, were. And if this was before me, I would have held them all in, and I would make the appellate division face the issue and bring it to people's attention. Let the appellate division reverse me. I would have put them in anyway. 
I would have put them in anyway. Take a stand, send a message to the state legislature and the governor. Do something to protect our police and our citizens. Yeah, where are the judges with courage? You you bring up a great point because even if it says do X or whatever, stand up for the good people. That's the bottom line. We got to keep our community yeah. safe. You know yeah. that better than anybody, Absolutely. George. Absolutely. It is shocking. So, Pat, what also in the height of all this, then we talked about yesterday, city council passing yep. the bill that says there's going to have to be more paperwork for police. They're going to get bogged down. How much more is that going to complicate the job? Well, response times and critical response times like shots fired, assaults with weapons are continuing to rise. Last year was up over two minutes. We heard uh, today that it's up another 40 seconds. And every second counts on those jobs. On those, People rely on that. Their lives rely on it. Uh, we know New Yorkers, uh, they don't want police officers' heads buried in their phones doing uh, online paperwork. They want police officers in their communities. They want them on the streets. They want faster response time. Uh, this bill does not help police officers do their jobs. But police officers will continue to do the great job that they do every day. If this is what they want, uh, we'll have to do it. Uh, But again, uh, the people in the communities need to stand up and they need to send a message to the city council uh, that this is going to continue. Our response times are going to continue to rise. And we know they want police officers on their street. Okay, free. Pat, it's, it's Richard Weinberg again. Free legal advice brought to you by my uh, esteemed colleague, Jesse Garcia, the vice chair of the state Republican Party. When mm-hmm. we were doing our show today, Jesse raised the following. Why is this not a violation of the collective bargaining agreement between the police officers and the city? Why don't you have your lawyers look at that? If they're adding all these new responsibilities, is that a violation? It's worthy of an inquiry. Oh, uh, absolutely. You know, we're going to explore all our options, uh, but, you know, a lawsuit would take a lot of time. You know, 9-11 response times, as I said before, continue to rise. We need uh, New Yorkers to speak up and call their city council members. Yeah, call them. And uh, and I bet you there's some lawyers who would say, uh, I'll take that case because they'll fight the good fight for you guys. Believe me. Uh, great advice. Great legal advice. Now we know where to get good legal advice. Get it from George. Chairman Jesse yeah, Garcia. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. We love you and appreciate you so much, Pat Hendry, uh, with the Thank Police Benevolent so Association. You guys Thank are welcome anytime. And we love our men and women in blue. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank well, you. Thank you. Why don't we do the... Uh, the news right now. We can take a, a and do the news and take a bite. We have a break first, uh, and then okay. after that, John. But I know you love those hot uh, goya beans. Hot. You love those hot <laughs> goya beans. They, you, we love the beans. We Who can't wait for that. I know they're the best. But first, we have Steve Moore coming up after the break with the latest on the economy, John. Don't you love an extra hundred dollars in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 
If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. A common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katz and and Rita Cosby. Katz and Cosby on 77 WABC. Well, we are back, John, here on Cats and Cosby. Well, do we have the uh, news today, the hot news of the day from Goya? Yeah, we do. And also, we also have Steve Moore, too, who is coming up right now. And, in fact, we got Steve first on the economy. Can you tell how much he loves the Goya beans, you guys? No, no, we don't. You're a walking advertisement for them. I was hungry. (laughs) Steve, first fill us in on uh, food prices. That's a good segue. (laughs) Good morning. I mean, good afternoon, guys. Good to be with you. And, uh, you know, we look, this inflation is not over. It's that's all there is to it. You know, you look at the commodity prices, you look at what's happening, the prices of everything from food prices to energy prices. They continue to rise. John Katsimides, I don't think we're out of the woods yet on the uh, Biden inflation. Yeah, where do you you think we're headed with inflation to? What do you predict? And also, what about the interest rates? Because there's been so much talk about it so far. It's sort of flat today. But where's it going? Yeah. Well, uh, you know, Wall Street is betting that there will be two or three or maybe four rate cuts this year. But I'm, t- I'm here to tell you, I think it would be a bit premature. I know John may disagree with me on this because he loves ro- low rates. But I still think, you know, you go to the grocery store, you go to the gas pump, you buy an airline ticket, uh, all these things. You pay a mortgage. Uh, Rita, those prices are still really high in this economy. It's one of the reasons that Two-thirds of the voters are saying, hey, I think it was better when Trump was president than it is today. Yeah, that's for sure. Judge Weinberg, you've got a whole bunch of questions about the food supply. Steve, you had a great piece in your blog, and you're talking about the Green New Deal energy policies, and they're trying to impose how food is produced in the agricultural industry. Would you explain that to our listeners, please, and what that impact is going to be? Thank you for asking. This is a big deal. And I think a lot of people don't really, you know, unless you grew up on a farm, uh, people don't really understand how much energy is involved in growing food. And if you don't have cheap and abundant energy, I mean, John, of course, is in the energy industry, which provides the kind of juice that we need to grow our food. You're not going to be able to grow enough food for 340 million people with windmills. (laughs) It just isn't going to work. And so the farmers, the agricultural commissioners, Across the country are saying, hey, this net zero thing, net zero carbon, uh, you know, uh, fuels is a terrible idea for our food supply. And the, are you guys following, uh, paying attention to what's happening in, in France right now in Paris? The truckers and the, and the, uh, the tractors are blocking some of the roads because the farmers are so upset about this uh, war on, on energy, which makes everything more expensive. So, yes, this is a dangerous thing for our food supply if they continue to go down this road of not using fossil fuels. Yeah, absolutely. Judge Weinberg. And they're going to have to change their whole infrastructure for production. So you're going to have, of course. So you're going to have problems with production. So not only prices yes. going up, you're not, you know, it's all about supply and demand. You're not going to have the supply because they're not going to be able to afford to change, retrofit their, uh, their production. Yeah, I mean, you get an A in economics today. Exactly what you, you said is exactly. Thank you. <laughs> oh, don't, oh, don't say that. We got to live with the guy. He's oh, gonna have a big yeah. head. Don't say that, yeah. Steve. 
What do you think, yeah, George? Uh, what do you think? Uh, I mean, you got to uh, sit next to him now. <laughs> yeah, look, I mean, we laugh about this, but it, but it is serious. It's a heart attack. I mean, we're messing around with our energy supply. We're messing around with our food supply. We don't have a secure border. We've got crime in so many of the cities. I mean, it's, a, it's an ugly situation out there right now. And that's one of the reasons people are so angry. You know, I have, I have relatives. You guys know I'm from Chicago. Well, now that they're putting the, the migrants in every city, all the suburbs and stuff, and some of my friends who are more liberal, Rita, you'll get a kick out of this, are saying, wait a minute, where, where are all these migrants coming from? I said, well, you want them to be a sanctuary city. Here they are. How do you like it? <laughs> yeah, how do you like it? By the way, yeah. did you see, um, Steve, it came out today, too, that in Boston and in Chicago, they're moving them out of community centers, uh, kids, it's their community center, and putting the migrants in. And oh, I know. They're, they're furious. They're it just happened, yeah. especially in Boston. There's a whole group yeah. of people, parents are saying, wait a minute, what about our kids? Yeah, no, I mean, they're doing that in Chicago, too. They're putting them in the uh, schools and the auditoriums and the gymnasiums. And, you know, there was, I don't know if you guys followed this, the, study, the story last week, but there was an Illinois legislator who said, look, we got these t- tens of thousands of migrants here now in the Chicago area. All these liberals who said, you know, let them in. Hey, maybe they should open up their homes to these people. If you, you know, got a college kid who, who's not in, your, in their bedroom, why don't you open up their doors to them? <laughs> the liberals got so angry. But they're such hypocrites, aren't they? They say, yeah, let them all in, but they don't want them in their own communities. You remember, Steve, remember the story of Martha's Vineyard? Welcome to Martha's Vineyard. Then get the hell out. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, with like, what, 36 you know, I mean, hours. At this, but the migrants are there. You see, this is the thing. I am against this deal that the Senate is trying to do. The, the, as you guys know, the House of Representatives, H.R. 2, passed a bill many, many months ago to deal with this crisis. Biden said, screw you, I'm not going to do it. And now he wants to make a deal with the Republicans. And I, I, No, I mean, the, deal, the bill is out there. Joe Biden signed that bill. Let's get this thing going. Let's <clears throat> let's get the Border Patrol doing what they're supposed to do, which is patrol the border, not cut the cut the fences so the illegal migrants can come into the country. And I'm pro-immigration, Rita. I think immigrants are great for our country. But vet but them. They come vet, in like this. vet them and check them. Uh, Peter King. Yes, yeah, Steve, great talking to you. Uh, you know, it's, Thank you, Peter. As far as the president, he has all the power he needs. They don't need to he give does. him any more That's power. exactly right. I mean, President Trump was able to get the whole thing under control with no new legislation. It's there. And he was, he's been undercutting himself, and now he's saying you know, he's blaming the Republicans for not giving him power. He has the power. He does. Well, Peter, I would just take it a step further. You're, again, you're absolutely right. But not only does he have the power, this is one of his first responsibilities absolutely, absolutely. as president, right, yeah. to keep our, our country safe and secure and our borders secure. And you served in the Congress for many years. Uh, you know, the Democrats are a lot different even today than when yeah. you, you served in the Congress. But the Democrats don't want to solve this problem. Peter, I don't, I don't think they want to solve it. And the Republicans shouldn't agree to any number because once they do that, they give up the legal argument that he's acting yeah. illegally. So they're conceding a legal argument that they should not be conceding. He's violating his oath of office. He has an obligation to protect the states against invasion. He should be doing that. And Governor Abbott of Texas is absolutely right taking this president on for that failure to fulfill his constitutional obligation. Also, Steve, for many Democrats, this is not a problem. This is what they want. I mean, this I is know. A, no, this is not a mistake to them. This is part of their overall policy. It has to be, because why else? We all see the images. Um, guys, thank you very much. Steve Moore, thank you very much. We appreciate it, Steve. Wait, wait, Rita, you didn't say that you love me like you did all the other 
speakers. Oh, before. okay. I really love you. And you know what I love? I love more money, which is on Saturdays, <laughs> 1 go. to 2 p.m. Saturday, That's how much I love you. Wow. Great leaving. Wow. Yes. Wow. Well, you guys. Have a good night. Thanks, Steve. Ryan Payne's manager. Oh, 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 that's right. I got to, I got to, I got to live up to that and Cudlow too. That's right. right? Tell, tell them all. You love them all, Rita. Well, and also, you know what? We love, we know John loves the Goya beans because now we have the headlines. It's the top news of the day sponsored by Goya. Here's Rita Cosby. And as you heard here at the top of Cats and Cosby, FBI Director Christopher Ray told a congressional committee that hackers linked to the Chinese government are preparing to, quote, wreak havoc and cause real world harm to Americans. Critical infrastructure such as water treatment plants, the electric grid and transportation hubs could be targets. Leaders of several of the world's largest and most prominent social media platforms were in D.C. today. Federal lawmakers grilled the CEO of Meta, Mark Zuckerberg, concerning the alleged failure to protect kids from sexual exploitation on Instagram and Facebook. Boy, was he seared. But at one point, Zuckerberg actually apologized to family members and loved ones in the gallery. After a particularly intense bout of questioning from Missouri Senator Josh Hawley. And Israel is pumping more water into the system of tunnels used by Hamas and Gaza. The terrorist organization maintains an estimated 350 miles of underground tunnels in Gaza. And John, those are your hot, hot, hot Goya top stories of the day. And everybody, after the break, we're going to be talking with Victoria Coates, who is going to be talking about the latest with the U.S. and Iran. Iran says, bring it on, America. Really scary stuff. You're commuting home with Katz and Cosby. Now, here's John Katz and Rita Cosby on 77 WABC. Well, Rita, we are back. Yeah, we are. And boy, John, so much to talk about. We have now joining us on Cats and Cosby, Victoria Coates, of course, who was Deputy National Security Advisor there under President Trump. Uh, great on foreign policy. And Victoria, uh, we also continue here with Judge Richard Weinberg, also Congressman Peter King, and also the former head of FBI in New York, George Venizelos, here with me and John. So we've got a great studio here. Uh, Victoria, this is really frightening stuff. We just heard a little bit ago, Iran ratcheting up the rhetoric saying, you know, we're not afraid. Uh, we're ready for war with America. It's really scary stuff to hear this. Oh, indeed. And it sounds like you guys really have the all-star panel tonight. So good to be with you. The problem we have here, Rita, is the administration has done nothing. There was a really embarrassing announcement out of CENTCOM today that they've taken out another couple of Houthi missiles in Yemen. But that's hardly the strong action that the president has been promising for months now if if our service people are, are killed, which, of course, happened over the weekend when we lost three. And I just point out that instead... We had the equally embarrassing display of the president tweeting about Elmo last night when he should have been meeting with his national security team and planning how to actually brush the Iranians back. So we can't really blame Tehran for not taking this crowd seriously. 
Yeah, Peter King. Yeah, Victoria, what bothered me the other day, among other things, apart from this entire policy toward Iran, is when the president announces he's going to take strong action, you know, whatever that ends up being, then he gets out of his way to say he's not seeking a wider war. To me, if you're going after the enemy, you can't be defensive. You can't be apologetic up front. Let them think we're going to destroy them. And then, you know, let's see what happens. But to me, it sounds like he's saying, okay, I'm going to take a shot at you, but I really don't mean it. No, that's that's exactly the problem, Congressman. I mean, they they have to stop talking about what they're not going to do and they need to start doing some things uh, because, you know, the longer this goes on. And I'd point out that you know, they've been saying these consequences are, are, are possible for months. So the time to do the planning was months ago and the time to get the assets into place to show the Iranians that there are going to be consequences was months ago. And instead, we're getting, as you said, this very tepid rhetoric of this is what we don't want. This is what we're not going to do. They ruled out strikes in Iran. We can debate the wisdom of that. But why would you take it off the table uh, preemptively? And so the Iranians, again, are just going to start pushing back again. Yeah, absolutely. Victoria Coates, uh, Judge Weinberg. Welcome back, Victoria. Good to talk to you again. I was at a lunch today with a former general of the IDF, Amir Aviva. And he said that he would hope there'll be a coalition to go against Iran. And I asked him the question, well, if you don't get that coalition because you have weak leadership coming from the Biden administration, is Israel prepared to go after Iran directly? And his answer was Israel will do what's absolutely necessary to protect against them getting nuclear weapons and to destabilize the Middle East. What are your thoughts on that? Well, General Avivi is a friend and, and a great spokesman for the IDF and for Israel, and it's good to have him in the United States right now conveying this strong message. Unfortunately, what we're seeing particularly today are some really disturbing uh, signals out of the administration vis-a-vis their support for Israel. Uh, and I think you know, certainly Israel will, will have to do what it has to do, but any strike on Iran would be so much more powerful if it were Israel and the United States together. But today, the administration uh, leaked to their favorite reporter, Barack Ravid. Nothing against Barack. Uh, he just takes mm. the, what they feed him. But they leaked that they are considering preemptively recognizing a Palestinian wow. state. I saw yeah. that. I, you know, you know yeah. what? When I saw that. It's like you're re- at this moment. You're, you're right. Rewarding the terrorists. You're rewarding the terrorists, and you're undermining your ally, Victoria. That is shameful. Yeah, I mean, and undermining decades of established U.S. policy that the resolution to the conflict between Israel and the Palestinians will be when there is a negotiated settlement agreed to by both parties, not imposed by the United States. And this was considered during the Obama administration, but under Obama, it was even considered to be too extreme. Now, apparently, Blinken's thinking is the settlement can't be the end of the negotiating process. Maybe it needs to be the beginning of the negotiating process. But I think he is critically misreading the mood in Israel. There is no appetite for this. You you know what? You know what, though? Did you hear what Blinken said yesterday uh, to he made? What I thought was was a very honest comment and a powerful comment. He says that this is the most dangerous time in the Middle East, he said, since 1973. Some people contend it's it's sort of 1938. But he is conceding that it's been 50 years plus that we are in this precipice right now. And then they're going to say we're going to give you, you know, okay, everybody just go back to where you were 
in other words, the tunnels, does that mean the missiles? Does that mean all the munitions? Does that mean the hostage taking? That's the state they're going to recognize? Exactly. That, that's the point. Let's just go back. Don't, let's forgive everything. Let's just move on and, and don't eradicate Hamas also in the process. That is, that is so troubling. Victoria. No, it, it makes, it makes absolutely zero sense, Rita, because I agree with, with Blinken that indeed that they have created the most, they've taken the most stable the Middle East has ever been under President Trump with the Abraham Accords and in three short years turned it into an absolute powder keg. I admire him for recognizing that reality, which Jake Sullivan in September did not. But his solution appears to be to light a match and throw it onto the onto the powder keg, and which is exactly what would happen if, if the United States took this unprecedented and really egregious step to undermine a critical ally that needs us like never before right now. Yeah. So I, I, it's just unbelievable. Yeah, because this is Peking. First, I'm, I'm opposed to a state. But if I even was going to consider it, you can't do it after a terrorist attack like this. What you're saying is we are rewarding them. And it's, uh, to me, that just leads to more terrorism and puts Israel in more jeopardy than ever. And Israel will not accept it. Israel will not accept yeah. it. Why and, should they accept and it? They should not. They will not accept it. And all you're, gonna, you're forcing Israel to do is you don't want escalation. You're putting Israel's wall... Back to the wall. They're going to fight back. They're not going to take it. Don't they understand to escalate this? Victoria? No. No, I don't think they do. And Israel can't accept it right now. And the other piece of this puzzle is the funding that we've been pouring into Gaza since October 7th, since they attacked Americans and Israelis indiscriminately, while they are still holding uh, Americans hostage. Apparently, we had at on October 1st, hundred and million appropriated for support for UNRWA. And after it was exposed that UNRWA, the UN Relief Works Agency employees, actually participated in October 7th and then provided additional support for Hamas. Once that was proven, uh, the State Department came out and made a big fanfare of freezing that that funding. Uh, The problem is that $121 million was already out the door. Yeah, and, the only and thing that was you know what was also two percent, and I know you know yeah. this, and I'm sure Pete mm-hmm. King knows this too. But <laughs> Trump, when he came in, he froze the money to UNRWA. The one of the first yep. things Biden did was reinstate it. I, I mean, already as you know, there was a history with these people. They just you know didn't even vet them, and they suddenly and now they're saying there's 1,200 people within that uh, UNRWA. This is the relief the relief agency there in uh, in the area there. That group, 1,200, that is a staggering number. Not only did 12 participate in the attack, but 1,200, they believe, are associated. And they came up with a number today, even more, have ties to Hamas and have family members tied to Hamas. Oh, yeah. And so that's 10%. And and I I find it disturbing. I I suppose I do this, but to have it reminded to me that there are 12,000 people who work for uh, UNRWA in Gaza and that so many of them have these associations is completely corrupt. And what Matt Miller, what the spokesman for the State Department said today was that they, they had hustled all this aid out of the door because they were hoping for more in the next appropriation. Well, that's a bold faced lie. They hustled it out the door because they probably knew from the Israelis that this was coming and they were going to need to take that action. Yeah. And the most important thing for them was not to keep the money out of the hands of the terrorists. It was to keep the money flowing to UNRWA. Oh, shameful. Absolutely. Sh- you, you wonder, like, what policies are they doing that 
really are helpful to America. It's so counterproductive. Victoria Coates, thank you very much for being with us. Thank you, Victoria. Of course. Thank you all. Thank you. And when we come back, everybody, we have Michael Goodwin, uh, who is going to talk about the war on police in New York City and the effect it has for all citizens. That's coming up. Thank goodness. It's a common sense recap of the big stories. It's Cats and Cosby on 77 WABC. And everybody, we are back here on Cats and Cosby, Rita Cosby and John Katsimatidis. We also continue with Judge Richard Weinberg, also Congressman Peter King, and also the former head of the FBI in New York, George Venizelos. And we have with us now Michael Goodwin, the great Pulitzer Prize winning columnist of the New York Post. And Michael, your headline said it all. Uh, New York City Council hates cops because, boy, cops, I can't think of a more difficult job right now than being a police officer in New York City. Right. Uh, Rita, you got it right. I mean, that's just uh, it's a terrible time. I mean, that's why so many officers are quitting. Uh, well in advance of retirement age. And you always had a cadre of older officers who would stay beyond uh, the retirement age. Some loved to be detectives, police officers still, or they moved up into the management ranks and, you know, ran precincts and, and commands uh, and special units. But now you just have everybody saying, look, The job is too difficult. It's getting more dangerous. I'm not getting the support from the politic, from the politicians or the public or the courts or the judges or the prosecutors. And why should I go out and risk my life or risk injury making an arrest of somebody who's going to be back out on the streets while I'm still filling out paperwork? Um, And then, of course, there are the suburban towns, which in many cases pay more for less dangerous work, frankly. And so I think that there's just a lot of pressure on the police and for the council to come in at this time and burden it with this further issue of keeping documents, creating documents out of every virtually every interaction with a member of the public is is just piling on. I mean, it, it it just shows that the council does not understand the the excuse me one second. Is that your phone? Does not understand <laughs> Wait, the what, work of the what police. What song is that, Michael? <laughs> I don't know. Something my daughter put on my phone. Yeah, I was like, I was like, that's a pretty good song. That's a pretty. Uh, George Venizelos, you got a question for the yeah. man with the ringtone? Yeah, Michael. I, 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 your article is spot on. I can't, I can't agree with you more. And this, this well, council and this council should should be ashamed of what they're doing to the city. It's obvious that this council. I grew up in the sixties and seventies, uh, you know, so I know the New York City from the sixties and seventies. You know, obviously this council didn't live during that period. They only know the New York of uh, the Disneyland New York. You know, they don't know what Forty Second used to look. Forty Second Street used to look like, or they know you know, and they don't care. And the, and the problem is, it is the police and law and order that made this city great. Without law and order, companies won't be here. People won't want to live in a city. I remember the day when people didn't want to live in a city. That's why they all lived in New Jersey in the suburbs. You know, now, now, you know, and, and, and they're, the disrespect for the police is, is sickening. We were talking about it earlier in the show. How can people stand by and watch two police officers getting beat up by do you a bunch to, of punks? Do you punks? want to hear, George? This is interesting. A friend of mine, uh, who we know, a senior, uh, retired now law enforcement said this, uh, Michael Goodwin. Because he was listening right. to the show earlier, and he said two words, Daniel Penny. 
He said people are yeah. now afraid yeah. to intervene yeah. because they see what happens. They're afraid that, you know, you're going to get suddenly pulled yeah, in yeah. For, you know for how sad is that? You can't argue with that either. What's how it? sad. Wow. Uh, Michael well, Goodwin. And, and uh, let me just say something quickly yeah. uh, about about this change in, in tenor toward the police. You know, uh, years ago, there was a sense, in many cases legitimate, or in some cases anyway, that that the police were heavy-handed in minority neighborhoods. It was largely a white police force. Uh, And yet now you have a a police force where there is no majority uh, race or ethnicity. It is a minority-majority police force and has been for almost 20 years. And yet when the council does things like what it did yesterday, it's basically saying we want to know the race of everyone you stop. And Adrian Adams, the uh, council speaker, I saw her on a television interview and she said, you know, 97 percent of the stops are still in the non-white neighborhoods. Now, how does she know all that? Where does she get that? And what does she make of that, even if it's true? I mean, the implication of the way she said it is it's a racist police force still. Yeah, that's I mean, outrageous. Peter Peter no... King is here. Go ahead, Pete. Uh, Michael, first of all, great column as always. I, I particularly appreciate the point you made about Eric Adams. Listen, like you, I had high hopes for him. But even in this, you know, he, he vetoed the bill. Then he gave a half-hearted uh, opposition to it. We said he, he's, he's against one party, he's for another. There was none of that fire and brimstone that you would really need you know, to be able to stop that veto. And I, I was disappointed in that. Yeah, I agree with you, Pete. I mean, I, uh, as I wrote in the column, this has become a maddening pattern of his where he never really fights. You know, he doesn't fight for the thing he says he wants. Whether it's Joe Biden and the migrants, whether it's Kathy Hochul and and the legislature on the uh, all the cut them loose uh, talk and laws that they did in Albany on uh, bail reform, et cetera. Uh, and now you have this where I was blown away when, you know, he he made this big effort. He vetoed it, which is a big deal. He invited council members to go and ride along to persuade them. And then at the end, he says, there's just one part uh, that I disagree with. Otherwise, I'm fine with it. Yeah, he should say, he should say, wait a minute. I am a former law enforcement of many years. He's a retired captain. We all know that's part of the reason he got elected. I think because people thought he would keep the city safe. He should say, I will not tolerate this. This is unacceptable. Where is that fire, Michael Goodwin? Well, that's precisely it. He, he never shows it. He, he gets mad at the media and that's about it. I mean, he will not take on the president. He will not take on the governor. He will not take on the legislature. And now he folds in front of the city council. I mean, how is he going to govern? Are we going to be we're going to be governed by the left wing of the Democratic Party? He was elected to be the antidote. He was going to be the moderate centrist Democrat with a law enforcement background who was going to stress making crime number one issue for him. And he ran on that campaign, but he's getting a lot of resistance. And I feel like he's just being swept along now. It's look, it it may be his own legal problems. They may be very serious, uh, but whatever it is, he's just not fighting in the way that former mayors. I mean, try to imagine Ed Koch with that bill or Rudy Giuliani or even Bloomberg. They all would have stood up and made a real argument and made it clear, and they would have denounced it when it was over. 
he doesn't doesn't play that way. He doesn't fight that way. And so he loses, uh, I would say, about 95 percent of his political battles. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. Where's the fire in the belly to keep all of us safe? Um, Michael Goodwin, thank you very, very much. We so appreciate you being here on Cats and Cosby and always fighting the good fight for New York City. Thank you. And, George, it was so great to have your perspective. And Pete, too, we loved it. And Judge always. And, and John, what do we always stand for? Truth, 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 justice, and the American way. God bless New York, everyone. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.